Welcome to episode four of About That MBA podcast, the podcast for people who are curious about MBAs and what they're all about, created by students living the experience. My name's Tim, and I'm an MBA student at Surrey Business School and the host and creator of the show. And uh, before we get started, remember you can follow us on Twitter at uh, that MBA podcast. And on today's show, we're going to be talking about manager decision making and insight. Now, this is one of those modules that uh, is very important to our MBA program. It's very much part of our digital uh, elements of our of our program. But the title doesn't really tell you very much about what what you get into in it. So uh, we're going to get into that a little bit on this show and uh, tell you about that experience. Um, but before we do, first I must introduce, of course, this evening's guest. So uh, Hamid Sultan is another member of our MBA cohort and formerly a consultant with PwC in Oman. Welcome, Hamid. Thank you, Tim. Well, thank you so much for joining me. Um, and it's it's great to continue to have volunteers who are <laughs> willing to come on here and share their experiences. My pleasure. Um, this is, this is going to be a really interesting one because when I came into this module, I had absolutely no idea what it really was. Um, <laughs> to be quite <laughs> honest, I thought it would be very... Uh, you know, quantitative decision making or something like that, but it turned out to be essentially about making my understanding, at least my takeaway is that it's making decisions based upon value to your firm. Um, but I guess we'll get into your understanding in a little bit. Yes. Um, but before we do that, uh, how about Hamid? You start us out by just take us a little picture. Tell us a little bit about your uh, working life so far. Okay. So uh, first of all, it's my pleasure to be on this podcast. So yeah. thank you for this. Um, I basically uh, worked with PwC for six years, so PwC were my first employers. Um, I was part of the risk assurance team, and uh, in that team we did internal audit, outsourced internal audit, so we would go to companies and uh, look at their operations in different departments and see whether they're following their policies, procedures, or mm-hmm. regulatory policies and procedures. Uh, we did risk management, so we'd go to companies, see the risks which they're facing and how they can mitigate those risks. And, implement uh, different processes for them and we did also uh, review the policies and procedures in different companies mm-hmm. so that's uh, in a nutshell I was also part of the social committee with PwC so we organized events in for the staff of the company oh great great so giving contributing a little bit to the organizational culture as well there yes yes very good excellent so um, you talked a lot about some very uh, I mean I don't come from a financial background I come from an engineering background um, so, you know, there's a lot of mystery in, uh, in what PwC does. I mean, I, I know their consulting practice a little bit in terms of their interaction with my industry, but um, tell us some about some of the challenges that you faced in your role every day. Uh, yeah, so, so one of the challenges really, and <coughs> excuse me, that, um, especially with the internal audit side was that, because we're going to the companies and we're basically identifying any lapses in controls which the companies have. And, you know, there's a lot of resistance from managers. Oh, I definitely. Bet. Yeah. <laughs> so they say, you know, we raise points and say, you know, this is lacking, this should be, you know, fixed. And then they would just refuse and they'd be like, no, we don't agree. So yeah. there, there would be times, like we had one case where a report was stalled for a whole year just because we couldn't agree with the client. And yeah, that, that was just uh, <laughs> that was an interesting, let's say, experience. Nobody, but, yeah, nobody likes it when their baby gets called ugly, huh? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, mm. but, but in the firm itself also, like dealing with uh, one of the partners was uh, quite... Uh, 
an interesting challenge. Let's say he's he's uh, he's a character. Mm -hmm. So uh, as part of the social committee, I needed to interact with him a lot. Mm -hmm. But actually, going to him was kind of an issue because because <laughs> you need to get an appointment with him, whereas ah. the rest is like you can just go inside the offices. Right. And uh, another thing was that when you agree something with him, he would forget. Ah. And, and this happened once on email, so I agreed something with him, and then he came back to me like, "Why are we doing this?" And I'm like, "You, you agree?" You know? <laughs> uh, that's not unique to PwC. I can tell you yeah. that very confidently. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent, Johnny Goods. Um, and what do you think? Uh, what was it that led you to think about doing an MBA uh, in your journey? So actually, I've been thinking about doing a, a master's or sorry a master's or an MBA for, for a while actually it was like uh, during uh, my bachelor's degree that's when I started thinking about it mm -hmm. and uh, even um, so when I joined PwC um, they basically talked to us about uh, professional qualifications something like uh, ACC which is for accounting mm -hmm. uh, and uh, others and I spoke to many people in the organization. I spoke to two of the partners there, and they both told me that what you should do is uh, do do your ACCA first, get some more experience, and then go do an MBA. Mm. And that's what really I'm basically following their advice now. Must have been good advice then. Yeah, hopefully <laughs> we'll find out in a couple of years, I guess. <laughs> mm, okay. And um, what do you think the biggest change was uh, in going from your working life at PwC, this huge corporation, to uh, coming here to do to do an MBA what's 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 the thing biggest change for you so so one of the things is I'm not used to sitting in a room and being lectured at for you know nine to five sure so even like I sent a message to one of my partners I was, I was like being of course nine to five is harder than working nine to five and he just laughed <laughs> <laughs> it's harder than you think yeah yeah it's so tiring it's so tiring and, and it's because like when you're working, there's some there's a bit of flexibility, right? You can take some phone calls here, you can do a few things there, right? Mm. And then you can catch up later. But during the lecture, you know, you can't do that. You know, while the lecture is going on, you know, if you miss it, you miss it. Yeah. And uh, and I guess the other thing would be the academic stuff. Mm -hmm. So you know, when when we do our work, we it's based on you know, previous companies and previous uh, jobs which we've done. So it's based on our experience. But when it comes to writing academic, uh, you know, assignments, you have to use the references and proper references and find those references and all that and that takes yeah that, that's something which I think uh, after the first module I, I started really getting the hang of that yeah it was a bit of a shock I remember coming back to that style of writing uh, particularly where we've had modules that have had like a human or a psychological component to it the way that you construct an argument around that yeah um, I remember you know when I did my bachelor's it was in engineering so the way that you did that argument it was all uh, data point x says this and data point y says that therefore this is the problem whereas with this it's like oh so and so contends in such and such positions oh, and you have to uh, you have to kind of play them off against each other as if they're boxers yeah. you know, arguing with their theories <laughs> Um, but yeah, it does, definitely didn't didn't come easy to me either. And you know, English is allegedly my, allegedly my first language, so um, <laughs> yeah, that was that took some getting back into. And anything else on the on the big changes? I mean, um, well, the group work is interesting to be honest. Like I'm I'm fortunate so far to have had good groups, mm. but you know the dynamics. Like when it comes to work, you're like forced to work with people whether you like it or not. In the end, you just you know 
but when it comes to this group work, like sometimes you need to pick up the slack when people hang. I mean, even in work, it's the same. But uh, sure, yeah. But but I I've been like in terms of work, most of the time I work by myself mm -hmm. or or with someone a lot more senior, and the, who they would guide me. But with this one, you know, the you know you have like four or five people or six people at sometimes, and you just all rely on each other, which is. And the, but at the same time, it, it, it gives you a lot of experience with working with different people, right? So that um, that, that is the benefit. Yeah, and it's been fun like so far in my trip. So. <laughs> good, that's good to hear. Um, yeah, I think there's certainly been a lot of times, uh, and I think the group work that we did for this module was was one of them. There were lots of times when we were clearly aligned on what it is we were trying to do and where we were trying to get. There were also lots of times when we were just a bunch of individuals in one room just doing whatever the hell we wanted to do. Yes, I agree. Um, and I found that, to be honest, I found that more often when there's um, more kind of consistency in terms of experience and understanding among the people because they all think they have an idea of where it's going but that idea might be different and you haven't communicated that with each other so you're oh, yeah. all just doing well i think it's going to be this so i'm going to do it I'm going to do my version of this and uh, yeah that can lead to conflict in itself <laughs> i'll tell you how we got over that later oh excellent excellent um so uh thinking back to you know the version of you 12 months ago or however long ago it was and you started thinking about business schools and where you wanted to go and what you wanted to, to do, um, what would your advice be to somebody who's just starting that journey, who's just thinking about an MBA now? Um, so like they would need to think about why they want to do the MBA, right? Because mm. there are people who do the MBA for the sake of the MBA, for the title, mm -hmm. right? And I, I honestly think that's not the right way to go. Because there are lots of cultures, especially in uh, in the Middle East and in Oman, mm. if you have like a MBA or a PhD, it's like the wow factor, right? And but 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 the thing is, people don't understand sometimes that you know if let's say you do a bachelor's and then you go do a master's right away, mm. right? they'll actually hold it against you, right? Yeah, because you don't have the experience and yeah. you have a master's and you're expecting to get paid more. Mm. You know, they, they, it will actually be harder for you to find a job. Hmm. Yeah, in, in, in a lot of cases. So, and, and for me also, I think experience is very important when mm -hmm. you're doing an MBA. It adds value to you because once you do all these courses, you actually understand what's going on. You, you have the experience of dealing with something like this. Hmm. And you can think, oh, maybe I should have done this a bit differently. Maybe I could have applied this model to whatever situation you were in. Hmm. So, so experience is also an important thing. And finally, I, th I think seriousness, so you mm -hmm. do need to take, I mean, the MBA is not an escape. Right? Yeah. Although we do have a bit of flexibility, which is really nice, right? Yeah. But in the end, you know, you do have assignments, you do have group projects, people do rely on you, so mm. you do need to have that seriousness. Yeah, I think that's, that's definitely one that, I think everybody needs to remember every once in a while to kick themselves up the backside to go, you know, I've given up my salary for a year to be here, I've and have paid tuition and paid accommodation and you know whatever else um, there's an enormous direct cost but obviously a, a huge um, um, you know time commitment and everything else and I think everybody needs to keep themselves honest by reminding themselves of that commitment um, certainly it helps me when I'm in the back of the class and it's a bit tired and I've had a big lunch and started to <laughs> drift off and like no 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 I've given up a year's salary for this so <laughs> yeah. yeah but that doesn't mean you can have you can't have fun with the MBA of course because I'm sure we have a lot of fun right <laughs> absolutely no definitely um, and uh, 
An interesting little question. I've enjoyed this one so far. Um, what's the one piece of kit you use every day that you think every MBA student should have? Okay, so for me, I think the game changer was my Microsoft Surface Pro. We are not sponsored by Microsoft, <laughs> I should add. We are open to sponsorship. I also have a Surface Book Pro and I absolutely love it, but uh, go yeah. on. <laughs> yeah, so, so I have a, I do have another laptop, which mm. is quite heavy, and I use it usually for entertainment, for like, uh, you know, series, movies, shows, etc. Mm. Uh, but but I don't get inspired to do my assignments on. Yeah. It's so bulky and I don't carry it with me anywhere. So mm. when I love my Surface Pro, I can just take it with me anywhere. Mm. And, you know, whenever I look at that and I have an assignment, I'm like, you spent so much money on it, you know, just sit down and write. <laughs> <laughs> it does make all the difference. I, I particularly enjoy it. I was a bit skeptical about the pen when I first got mine. And um, uh, now that I've been able to like, annotate some lecture notes, some slides and stuff, I, it's it's the best. I mean, I'm not neat with it at all. It's still very messy. But when we're doing like value flow analyses and stuff like that, yeah. it's great for coloring in things and circling and uh, you know, just visualizing information, and there's some really great tools built into it to turn that into proper, proper products. Yeah, yeah, it is. It, it's it's fun. <laughs> mm. I, I mean, with mine as well, I have the I have the book, and um, I can quite easily get 13 hours of, of battery life out of it, which is more than I can get out of my brain in the day. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, that's good. Okay, so Microsoft advert aside. Um, <clears throat> Let's turn our focus about uh, focus to the manager decision making and insight module. So I shared briefly at the beginning my sort of take on what it really meant. Um, but what, in a nutshell, Hamid, would you say that the MDMI module meant to you? So, so this module really for me was all about you know it is management decision making, but mm -hmm. it's it's about how you use data to do to make those decisions, right? Mm -hmm. And where you actually get the data from. Mm -hmm. There are lots and lots of data sources as we've uh, uh, studied in this module, mm -hmm. right? So it's it's all about where you capture the data from. How do you get the data? How do you get it ethically mm -hmm. as well? Because the ethics around data is. is you know, kind of a hot topic right now. Yeah. And uh, yeah, basically, and, and how this data can basically interact with other um, tools. So, you know, something like the Internet of Things. So you have your smart homes now where all your devices are connected through the Internet mm -hmm. and you can monitor everything through your smartphone. So all that interconnectedness is uh, kind of what goes on in our lectures. So we understand all of that. Mm, yeah, I think it definitely resonated to me the extent to which a modern business is essentially an ecosystem of all of these inputs. Yeah. Um, even a business could, that could be entirely human-based, I don't know, like a, an accounting firm that relies on staff very heavily, um, but there's so many elements of automation, whether that's on the marketing, their own bookkeeping, um, finance, whatever, um, that can be put in the cloud, can be automated, and you can generate data and insights from and uh, how you make decisions as a, as a business leader based upon that new capability. Um, I think it would be particularly powerful if you were to start with a blank canvas for a business that didn't have any, of course, no business is really like this. Yeah. They all have legacy systems, they all have legacy ways of doing things, but you know, if you're a, a founder and you had, okay, I want an entirely new way of a company of doing things, um, we learned a lot of, a lot of, we got a lot of insights in the best way of structuring your organization as to how you can then use it to make efficient decisions uh, based upon data. Yeah. Mm. So as part of this module, we uh, we had a group activity where we were asked in teams to essentially build the nuts and bolts of a business using free software as a service uh, applications. So these are things like um, 
uh, marketing automation, we use Zoho CRM on my team, for example, um, or uh, social media and um, even some of the uh, back-end things, you could do legal assistance and website hosting. Um, tell us a little bit, though, about what your group set out to do. Okay, so, so the interesting thing, uh, and this uh, one of our team members, Gladys, she, she was the one who uh, suggested this. So, so myself and Gladys were both consultants. Mm, big four consultants, oh, no yeah, less. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and what she said was like, oh, why don't we do a consulting company? And, and it's, it's from scratch. Because right? the thing about this module uh, and this presentation is uh, Duncan, the lecturer, he doesn't really care about what the company is. Mm. So like he said last year, the best presentation was Santa and its elves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so we were like, okay, let's do a consulting company. And what this did was it gave us flexibility in the sense that we can use apps, which we can use as a consulting company inside the company. Mm-hmm. Right? And then we can use apps which we can give to our clients. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it expanded the number of apps we can actually use. Mm. So we looked at like HR apps and budgeting apps for the in-house for us, right? And then mm. we looked at like risk apps and uh, different, uh, there was some construction apps and some, uh, there was one with the alarm remember telling you about like if any of your staff got injured and mm. then there was some you know um, AI tools which we used so so by having a consulting company we basically managed to get a breadth of different tools sure absolutely and I guess that's very valuable if you think about that of I don't know if you're an operational process consulting company and you have extreme intimate knowledge of these tools you can then go and implement some of them for your clients and then practice what you preach so to speak in terms of uh, rolling that out. Yeah, exactly. And, and in terms of the consulting company, we didn't specify like if we were just strategy or just something, we, we were assuming like we would do everything. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I guess consulting companies can feel a little bit like that. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's great. So having thrown together the back end of your business in this way, what do you think you'll take from this exercise into your future career? So, so I was really uh, amazed by how many tools there are actually and what they could be used for so mm-hmm. like there were lots of apps like i didn't know about the you know the one of the apps which we presented was the ai which would basically take your notes while you're annotating them mm. so that that's pretty impressive and mm-hmm. uh, and there are so many tools which can be used like budgeting tools etc mm. which currently a lot of things are being done manually mm. and and this basically this uh, this whole exercise shows that there are so many things which can be either automated or you'd have a good platform which you can use to just uh, do everything online mm. and 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 all the online things is through the cloud as well so mm. it's like uh, you know continuously getting updated mm. right so it's real time mm. and you don't need to you know uh, save it send it to someone etc mm. and, and this is really the benefit because there are lots of companies who are basically kind of back in the stone age you know you're still using excel sheets for their accounts and stuff. oh absolutely yeah it's like you know if, if these tools exist you know, why don't you just use them mm. Yeah, I'm sure there will be a lot of quick wins for a lot of companies if you could just identify single tools that we worked with. The fact that we created entire businesses out of it was um, it was quite a daunting exercise, I think, when we set out. And I know on my team, we initially, we'd interpreted the scope of the exercise as to build one high-quality business with a small loop of automated tool, which we did. And we had like a closed loop, which went through our customer, well, started with social media, did customer onboarding, and then we did our customer relationship management and all of our marketing and integrated that with our website. 
Um, and I remember Duncan, the lecturer, um, came over to us and said, that's great, but go wider. <laughs> so we went to town on expanding our horizons. I think we went for 30 or more software as a service applications. And uh, it was it was, it was was baffling uh, as an exercise to really go, what on earth more could we possibly automate and then five, find five more things? Yeah. Um, <laughs> But I guess that it was very it was very important to show us the breadth of the landscape as to you know how if you're constructing a business that is very heavily cloud based or relies on AI or relies on process automation, um, yeah, def- definitely very valuable to see the full landscape that's out there. Yeah, and one thing about this the presentation right is that whenever we show Duncan the stuff, he'd be like, oh, okay. Add some more data, and I want more. <laughs> Every time, yes. Oh it's an sexual appetite. Yeah. And it's funny, our, our strategy in the end was basically just to keep on going and not shut up until he stops it. <laughs> <laughs> so we had like backup, uh, like, you know, the regular stuff, like Google Docs, and mm. Google Sheets, just backup, just to keep on going. <laughs> <laughs> so for the benefit of the audience, the way that we were assessed on this one is we had to present our business to the class and the uh, assessing academics. Um, and we had, uh, was it 15 minutes? To, uh, yeah, 15 minutes. 15 minutes to present the, the company that we created and the software as a service applications that we created to deliver it. And we were essentially, at that point, I think the, the ethos among the, the class was quantity over quality. Yeah. <laughs> and so we had this very bizarre presentation which essentially involved getting up in front of the class going, right, this is the business we've built. And three, two, one, it's like a game show. You have to get through like ding through as many uh, software as a service applications as you possibly can in 15 minutes. But um, it was definitely enjoyable. And I, I enjoyed uh, the way that we were able to link through the automation. So we, we did a demo. Well, we, we our view was kind of from a customer journey standpoint. So we, we started with how the customer discovers us. We put them into our CRM and then boom, they make a reservation. And you can see the customer data kind of fly through the system in real time, which was really, really, it took a lot to do. And there was some magic behind the scenes that we <laughs> automated but uh, it, it is really possible to do it and I was very impressed uh, at what my team did um, I can't say I did too much of it but uh, <laughs> that was a fun presentation it really was yeah good and then on the slightly more serious side of the scale we also had to write a, a piece of coursework essentially a white paper or a business consulting report if you will on a research question which was relevant to the module content in terms of the tools and the analysis frameworks that we we learned uh, during this project, such as um, business modeling and value flow analysis and things like that. Um, What did you choose to write your paper on, Ahmed? So so my question was basically how Emirates can use Emirates Airlines, how Mm -hmm. they can use big data to uh, have a streamlined customer journey, Mm -hmm. how they can streamline the customer journey. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was the topic. Okay, and uh, what were some of the frameworks that you used to to break that down? So so I used three frameworks. One was the value flow analysis, which basically shows the value flow from uh, different uh, parties. So Mm -hmm. let's say from Emirates, uh, booking services to their customers and then from the uh, customers going to their uh, travel agents and basically a huge web of different things and it shows you what what data flows and what resources flows from A to B. Mm-hmm. So that's one. The other one is the customer journey, so the entire journey from before booking the ticket, so the decision of booking the ticket and until you know the after traveling and after traveling mm-hmm. and the customer service after that and the re- 
resource systems model. Mm -hmm. I really don't remember what that was <laughs> at this time. Ah, it was a big essay, I'm sure. Oh yeah. Oh well, yeah. I mean, the, the funny thing about this is, you know, you know how we said like Duncan keeps saying more, mm. right? And in this essay, it was the exact same thing. It was yeah. Like I sent him uh, one of my models, and mm. I was like, uh, "Hey, Duncan, you need how how does this look?" And he was like. Yeah, this is a good start, and like I'm almost done. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it was definitely a, an interesting learning curve in that respect, and I think it's the only essay I've ever written where I had a three thousand word count limit, and Microsoft told me I'd written seven thousand words oh, yeah. for it. So, for those of you who are new to how academic research is is written, um, if you play economically within the rules of how at least our business school assesses word count in essays. Um, you some academics will allow you to qualify tables as exempt from word count. So if you had, you could fit entire pages into a table essentially to and break pictures. Oh, and pictures, yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, to uh, save you some words. And again, we were encouraged to uh, use kind of critique and position these frameworks and then apply them to the business's choice. Um, which in you know for three frameworks in three thousand words. Uh, was a tight squeeze. So, uh, yeah, I know that lots of people had 3,000 word essays in inverted commas that were 30 or more pages long, <laughs> which was uh, quite, one. <laughs> quite interesting. Yeah. So, um, overall, looking back on the, the module, what, what parts of the course content really resonated you, with you? I think so, so. One thing which I was very interested interested about this course is the actual understanding of you know the data flow mm. because that's something I don't usually think about. You know how does data flow and how do businesses actually use data and mm -hmm. targeting marketing and all of that. That's something I'm usually not. I don't usually think about mm -hmm. and also the Internet of Things because that's really where everything is going, right? So. <clears throat> It's it's a, it's a very it's a new development and it's 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 a real market now for the Internet of Things and how different uh, items interact with each other. Mm. So understanding that can help you, um, you know, understand new capabilities and you can get new functions out of it, which can possibly provide new usages for customers. So that's that's really what one of the things which I was very interested about. Mm, yeah, for me, particularly on that topic, I think it was the discovery of the uh, the unlocking new capabilities through just joining the dots that when you use these tools, when you map out the inputs, the value flow and the uh, the things that are, uh, are happening within your business, you know, the resources and the way the value flows, the way the data flows between your uh, suppliers and your partners, um, there are it, it makes it so clear. You have this thing laid out in front of you where you go, oh my goodness, if we just join X to Y, then we can unlock an entirely new revenue stream or we can have a whole new uh, you know, whole new efficiency realized. Um, and it, yeah, it, it presented us with a lot of very valuable frameworks and tools to, to make that a possibility, which is, I think, quite rare in the world of business. And, and one more thing was that, you know, Duncan's requirements. Mm. This, this actually represents what clients sometimes want. Sometimes they just uh, get more details and get more details. Mm. But but if you look at the assignment, like when it came to the conclusions and recommendations, he said, keep it as brief as possible. Mm. And actually, when, when, you know, like I've presented to some boards, yep. right? and when, when we present the information, they want, they want it brief. They don't want mm. you to go into the nitty-gritty, except some boards which are crazy. We, like we had one board which uh, we 
when we presented to one of the members by himself, it mm. took us five hours. Oh goodness! Yeah, so that's that's the details of it. When we went to the board meeting; it took an hour. Mm. So, so you know that contrast between the quantity of information and then the briefness of the recommendation that that, that actually does happen. Mm. So that that's something that you know got me thinking also because Duncan was on admissions argument. Absolutely, yeah, it came out a lot during the during the sessions. Now I agree, and I think um, it's the having it all in your back pocket ready if you for when you do get that one killer question of just hang on how did you come up with those numbers or why is it exactly that that way so you can quickly go all oh, right if you look in my backup here we go that's that's the is the table that you're looking for that has everything to support your position yeah. mm. great well uh, that's all we have time for on this episode of the about that MBA podcast uh, join us next time when we'll have another guest on to introduce their experiences of going to business school and we will be talking about problem solving and innovation thinking. So we get our entrepreneurial hats on um, for the first time, which was a really fun experience. Um, in the meantime, be sure to follow us on Twitter at that MBA podcast, where we'll be uh, soliciting questions from you here and there. And you can see pictures and uh, keep up with what we're doing as we move through the Surrey MBA. Um, and Hamid, thank you so much again for joining me on the show this evening. Thank you for having me, Tim. My pleasure. Uh, till next time, thank you for listening and goodbye.